Well, good morning again. Okay, should we switch places? Yeah, let's go ahead and yeah. switch places. Yeah, because I'm, I'm Adrian. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, thanks. That feels better. Now we got it right. Okay. Well, I am Adrian, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here at Carney Free, and this is my dear wife, Susie. And um, Susie is a wonderful minister in her own right, and um, she has generously volunteered to join me on stage for this message. You volunteered, right? I don't remember it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Susie's been willing to join me on stage for, for this message as we wrap up our series, The Ride of Your Life, and uh, appreciate you doing so with me, Susie. We're going to wrap up our series today as we've been talking about marriage and singleness over the past number of weeks, and today's message is titled, uh, Marriage on Mission. And Susie and I would like to share with you a couple ways that um, we've learned a bit over the years to, to grow in mission together, how God has strengthened us for mission together um, through the gift of marriage. You know, it, it seems to me that marriage, at least 16 years in now for us, it's a little bit like the Cinderella story. You go into it thinking it's going to be perfect, and you think she's beautiful, and she is, and you think that she's elegant, and she'll be all that you ever dreamed that she would be. You go into it thinking that he is going to be this, this strong, deferential, handsome man who is all I ever dreamed a husband would be. And then the, the slipper comes off. And eventually in marriage, it doesn't take long, probably a year or less, before the glitter comes out of the hair. And we see each other as we really are. And we realize that we're now in a relationship where we fear rejection the most, but there's no place to hide. It's going to be the vulnerable me with the vulnerable you, and there's one person that's going to know me clearly, and there's not going to be any filter. And I found that that's oftentimes, that place, that vulnerability is oftentimes the very place where God does his very best work. That, that sounds kind of scary. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the fairy tale that you hear about in Disney movies. <laughs> no. No, it, it hasn't been happily ever after for you? Well, it's pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, over these past weeks, um, we've been addressing these different topics related to marriage. We've talked about the fact that marriage takes a lot of work. And it's a husband's job to really, really love his wife sacrificially. It's a wife's job to respect her husband, to build him up. And it's their job together to commit themselves to prayer, to bathe the relationship in prayer. And they're to leave all others and cleave to one another and become one flesh. And it takes work. It just takes a ton of work to have a really good marriage. You want anything good in life, it takes a ton of work. And marriage is certainly no exception. Brian and Jordan did a great job leading us a few weeks ago on marriage through the younger years when the kids are younger and then marriage in the older years well, when the kids are a little bit older and how marriage takes different turns as the kids grow up and move out of the house. 
We've all spent some time talking in this series about singleness, and we have lots and lots of folks in the church. Our church is so blessed with a very diverse fellowship of people who are single, who are single again, uh, those who are widowed. And um, the simple truth is the scriptures say that singleness is not a secondary state of affairs. It's a blessed state of affairs. In fact, Christianity is the only uh, major religion on earth that I know of that actually exalts singleness because of what a single person can do for the cause of God that's oftentimes more than a, a married couple cut can do. Uh, and, and so it actually exalts singleness. Um, but we've mostly been talking about marriage, and the final message in the series last week was about conflict. And I heard from a lot of people last Sunday after last week's message because um, it's inevitable that we have conflict in our marriages, and a lot of people find themselves sweeping the conflict under the wet rug or just going into battle mode. And so we talked openly about um, biblical means for reconciliation and how we would have conflict the right way. Today, again, we want to talk about uh, this meaning of marriage on mission. What does God intend when he brings husband and wife together? What does he want to do in them and through them? Um, how, how would they be on mission together? Uh, Suze, would you mind sharing with the church how we prayed when we were considering marriage? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, we, we had a long-distance relationship. You were in Colorado and I was in Oregon, and um, so we were developing that friendship but we were asking God um, in prayer, God, if, if we can do more together for your kingdom, um, then, Lord, will you bring us together? So the miles, God, God could close, so we asked that. And we also asked that um, he would just use each other in each other's lives to sharpen each other in our character. Yeah. Well, we haven't hit that all the time. <laughs> Not by any means. We are far from a perfect couple. Us being on stage together is not because we're an example of how to do it right. It's not that. But that's what we prayed for. That's what we continue to pray for um, to this day. Uh, the, the primary purpose for marriage, if you're taking notes here, though, this morning, the, the primary purpose for marriage really isn't that much different than God's primary purpose for any of us in any community, or really, for that matter, it's not much different for any individual than it is for marriage. God's primary mission in marriage is to strengthen you in the context of marriage so that you would strengthen others. This is what God does. He strengthens us. He puts his love into us. He forgives us. He enriches us. He blesses us, not so that we would be a stopper, but that we would be an instrument of his strength and his enrichment to others. You think about the very first community that God sought to establish. It was uh, the people of Israel, um, the first nation that he would seek to establish. And as he calls out Abraham in Genesis, what he says to Abraham again and again and again is this, I will bless you so that you will bless others. You are blessed to be a blessing to all other nations. And so also is God's will for us in marriage that God would bless us, he would strengthen us so that we would increasingly become a blessing to others through the strength that God gives to us. And so what Susie and I want to talk about here for the remainder of our time is a couple different ways that God has strengthened us, the ways he's blessed us, and that hopefully through that we've been able to provide some blessing to others, some strength to others along the way. 
Um, marriage is intended uh, first to be a friendship. Marriage is meant to be a friendship. And you see this at the beginning of humanity when God creates the first man named Adam. And after creating all of the beauty in the most glorious paradise, you have the most amazing um, trees and flowers all over the place and all kinds of glorious animals. But Adam is still there and he's lonely. And God says it's not good for man to be alone. And so he creates Eve And after he creates Eve, in spite of having good work and beauty all over the place, Adam sees Eve, and what does he say? He says, at last, wow, like that's it, that's what I've been waiting for. She's the one that I've been waiting for all this time, at last. Literally, he says, this is bone of my bones, this is flesh of my flesh. This is the one that I've been waiting for. This is the one I've been longing for. And you have this sense of companionship, of being fit together, the sense of complementing one another as they cleave to each other. It's this idea of friendship. You see the same thing in the love poem of the Bible called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And Song of Songs is really, it's it's not an allegory for Christ and the church. It isn't that. It's It's a love poem between a husband and a wife. And it's this husband, Solomon, well, with his wife, and they're expressing their love to each other. And there's one point in chapter 5 where she turns to him and she says, "Uh, this is my lover, this is my friend. This is my beloved, this is my friend, this is the one that I am with through the ups and downs of life. What God intends in marriage is to bless us through this companionship, this friendship that we would share together. Part of what I hear in that passage and also in the Genesis 2 passage is this idea of we are in this together. We're going to enjoy some activity together. We're going to have some shoulder-to-shoulder experiences through life because that's part of friendship. That wasn't all that easy for Susie and I when we initially got married because we had different ideas of what was fun. I liked basketball and golf. Susie liked music and art. And so we had to figure out over the course of time that we both liked long walks together. And we both like camping and we like being in nature together. And so we have these ways that we can be shoulder to shoulder and grow into this idea, this is my lover, this is my friend. At even a deeper level than that, Susie, what would you say are a couple characteristics of really good friendship and particularly friendship in the context of marriage? Mm -hmm. When I think of friendship, I think of a couple things. I think of um, people who are able to speak truth in love. And so um, not just the people who tell you there's a little something in your teeth or your hair's sticking up, let me help you with that. I I appreciate those friends, I really do. But even more than that, somebody who is willing to tell you when you have a blind spot in your character and they're telling you that because they care about you. And um, there's this... A scripture passage that says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. So you can trust a good friend to tell you the truth. It might sting a little bit, but they're telling you the truth because they want you to grow. 
Um, and the other piece I would think of is just somebody who is there for you, someone who is present, someone who is there for you in the ups and downs of life. So someone there to congratulate you and celebrate you and the good things, but more importantly, in those hard times, in those valleys, when you are not at your best, but they are there for you and they stick by your side. Um, and so there's a passage, Romans 12:15, I think, of rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And I think of that with friendship and, and marriage, giving that friendship um, to your spouse in that way. Um, so that consistency, that presence, speaking truth in love, being real with the other person and that being okay with the other person being real um, is, is what I think of with friendship. And it just creates stability and safety. Mm, that's well said. Yeah. I really appreciate those words. Um, speaking the truth in truth or speaking the truth in love? If, if speaking the truth in love, like a gentleness, a warmth in the way that we sometimes challenge each other. And with that, the gift of presence through the ups and downs. That when you're melancholy, I'm willing to be present with you when you're melancholy. When I'm struggling, you're willing to be present with me mm -hmm. as I'm struggling. And over time, well, what that does is it, it, it builds this atmosphere of safety, builds an atmosphere of trust in each other. And when you have an atmosphere of safety and trust, you feel stronger, don't you? Like if, if you're in the workplace and you don't have an atmosphere of safety and trust, then you, you don't feel very strong. And so also it is in our marriage that we have to build up this atmosphere of safety and trust. I was thinking about ways that you have helped facilitate that sense of safety and trust in our friendship and our marriage. And one of the ways that Susie did this best was early on in our marriage, Susie just had an amazing example from her parents of frugality and learning to live within one's means. She was raised without much, and they really taught her, her parents really taught her how to live on a budget. And early on in our marriage, we built a budget, and Susie stuck to it. Like, she lived on that budget, and there was this sense of honesty and transparency that began to develop in finances that was really, really significant for me in the early years of marriage, and I brought a little bit of debt into our marriage from college. I'm, I don't know about you, but I brought some debt from college. Susie did not, but she didn't say, well, that's your debt. She said, that's our debt. And then our incomes, at times she, she made more money than me, and other times I make more money, but our incomes are not... Her income and my income is our incomes. It's our shared uh, financial picture together, our shared checking account, our shared credit card, complete transparency in all of those areas, which you really have led the way with since the beginning, has led to this atmosphere of safety and trust with respect to finance such that really, honestly, we don't worry about money too much, which is kind of a nice thing not to have to worry about. So thank you. Well, in the same way, you have um, created this sense of safety um, because you've chosen to set visual boundaries. And um, the way you've done that is when we're watching TV and the commercials come on, you, you choose to bounce your eyes. You choose to, um, you know, throw football with the boys or look at the newspaper during commercials. And when we go to a basketball game, instead of watching the really fit dancers, you, you choose to go to the concession stand and get us popcorn at that time. 
And, uh, and I just, I, I'm appreciative of that. And I, I'm thankful you put filters on our computer that lewd websites don't come on or pop-ups don't come on. And, um, and if you're going to converse with other females, it's, it's within my knowledge and, and there's no, nothing hidden. And that just creates a sense of safety for me um, and that I'm the only woman for you. You are. You are. You know, the, the effect of safety and trust in marriage is you feel stronger going out into the world. Like, um, I personally, I can be struggling in my exercise routine, or I can be struggling with other relationships, I can be struggling at work, but if you and I have safety and trust, then I go out into the world with strength. And the converse is also true. So like those other areas of life, finance and work, exercise routine, our various life domains, they can be going great. But if we're struggling, if there's a lack of safety, a lack of trust, or we're just struggling, I go out into the world with weakness. I don't know if it's true for you all that way, but marriage is really that powerful. I go out in strength when we're strong together. Yeah, God not only strengthens us through the gift of friendship in marriage, but he also strengthens us through the means of sanctification. And um, there's a verse out of Proverbs 27, 7 that says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And God just uses each other in each other's lives to sharpen us. And that doesn't make it the most pleasant experience, <laughs> but it's good for us. And um, I... I saw this book subtitle that said, what if marriage isn't so much about making us happy, but making us holy? Hmm. And um, that, that really struck me. So I bought the book, and I'm, I'm working through it so quickly. I mean, I'm 14 months in, and I'm probably at chapter 5. So um, <laughs> moving real quick with that. The speed reader. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, he, he uses us to sharpen each other. And um, what sanctification means, it seems like a big theological word, but really what it means is just making us holy, making us more like Christ. And we participate that, in that with the Holy Spirit um, in, in the growth of our character to just become more like Jesus. And God longs for us to be more like Jesus because that makes us more kind and loving and forgiving and and we have more self-control, and we're more gentle, and we, we act in ways of justice if, we're, if we are becoming more like Christ. And so God can use our spouse in sharpening us in that way. And um, we have lots of opportunities in marriage <laughs> for sanctification. And I just, I even think of um, recently, I've, I've just become so safe with you that I, I share my opinion Frequently, and I, I um, share lots of ideas, and even when you haven't necessarily asked, I, I just think, boy, I, I, I'm just going to tell him what I think. And um, and yes, but you the do. <laughs> <laughs> but the flip side uh, is that I I don't really like the feedback you give me. <laughs> no, you don't. So, so, <laughs> so I I sometimes push back or I, I try to defend myself and. Um, but then I go away from those conversations, usually um, recognizing that 
okay, he, he was telling me the truth and he was doing that because he cares for me and he was right in that. And, and I, I know that's because you love me and you want me to grow. So now I'm, I'm realizing, okay, I, I may have found my voice, um, but I need to be careful about how I use that. And um, so I've been spending a lot of time in James 3, learning how to tame my tongue and knowing the effect of that, and also just really thinking about how it lands and how it affects other people's hearts, and, and you've helped me see that, and so I'm, I'm appreciative of that. There's a, a scripture, Hebrews 3.13, that says, encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by um, sins of deceitfulness, and and I don't want to be in a place that I deceive myself, that I'm, I'm just going along perfectly fine. There's no refining that needs to be done. And, um, and so I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, what would you say? How, how has marriage sanctified you? Well, um, thanks for asking. <laughs> kind of. A lot of ways. A lot of ways. I think um, particularly over the past few years, I've realized that I really like my stuff the way I want it, when I want it. And I can be picky. You? I can. Mm. You haven't seen it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can be picky. And when you get picky enough, often enough, then you can be controlling. And, uh, you know, I've really been convicted by the Lord over the past several years that the only biblical form of control is self-control. The only biblical form of control is self-control. You cannot control another person. You certainly cannot control your wife. You can't control your spouse. And so God's sanctified me by challenging me in this, that I want my freedoms, I want things to happen the way I want them to happen and I, I want it in a pretty efficient way. And uh, that's not the way marriage is, and that's not the way life is. And so God wants to sanctify me in that, to prune some of that away. It's been challenging to see that need, to have a pruning there, but God has done just that, and I'm grateful for it. You, you, can tr you contrast, like, the pickiness or the tendency to control that all of us can sometimes fall into with the way Jesus loved the church, which is supposed to be the example for husbands in the way we would love our brides. Ephesians 5 says this. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You think of Christ. He chose to die for the church and the correlation there is not just that we husbands would physically be willing to die for our wives. I think most of us would be willing to do that. It's, are you willing to die to yourself? Like, that's the sanctification piece in me, anyway. Am I willing to die to some of the things that I want in order that my wife can become the more radiant and holy woman that God wants her to be? That I would defer some of what I wish to care for her and to sacrificially love her instead of just doing things my way, wanting things my way. I'm curious, before you got married, what did you think would sanctify you? I thought I was doing pretty good before marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, 
Um, joking aside, we got married in our late 20s, and so we had plenty of time to develop our independence. Our singleness had developed. Our independent streaks had developed. And then um, I think going into marriage, my expectation was that probably the spiritual disciplines would be God's primary instruments for ongoing sanctification, things like fasting and prayer and Bible memorization and solitude and all those things that we believe in. And those have been part of God's means to sanctify me. Then I thought it was going to be my kids that were going to sanctify me the most. I had kids, and you realize you have no control once you have kids, right? And so I thought those would be the primary means that God would use to sanctify me, to show me how far I have to go to sacrifice my will for the will of these little ones. But, you know, with kids, you have a level of authority that you're, you're not supposed to have in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And they, and they, they leave. They the leave, yeah. right. Whereas if we're so blessed by God, we might be married by, for 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so there's this ongoing work that God intends to do in every one of us through the pain of marriage, which is to make us more like Jesus. He would use marriage as the primary instrument for our own sanctification across the decades. That changes the way I see the tension that we experience. It changes the way I see the problems we experience, that Maybe now, instead of this being something that I'm really irritated with Susie about, this can be something for prayer that we get to work on together underneath God's sovereign authority in our lives because maybe he wants to use this difficulty to change us, to make us more like Christ. I I think of the refiner's fire. And um, the refiner's fire is this uh, word picture that's given a lot of different times in the scripture in which you have silver underneath this bowl and on top of the bowl... Um, you you have what's called the dross. And the dross is all of the impurities, all of the ugliness, all of the dirt that comes to the surface on the top of a precious metal when that metal is heated up. And in the analogy that's provided from the scriptures, God is the refiner, but he uses marriage as the heat. Marriage is the heat that brings the impurities to the surface that then need to be cleaned away such that a more precious silver would emerge. That's a hard and difficult process, but God would use the heat of marriage to refine us, to make us more precious, to make us more like Christ himself. Hmm. Yeah, thinking about marriage as the heat to refine us, it's very different than how you think of marriage right when you first get married. You're you're thinking like, wow, this guy, he, he looks so good. He's just so good looking. Or I, th- I think we could make some good money together. Or um, I think we've read a few books on marriage. I mean, we, we, we got our stuff together. I think it's going to just go smoothly. So <laughs> that's what we think of sometimes. Tend to think of when we, um, when we go into marriage. But then... There's this, there's this trend that's going around, like giving your advice to yourself 20 years ago. And so if, if we were to do that to tell these kids some advice from 16 years ago, I'd probably tell them to think about these things instead of those other ones I mentioned. Thinking about, does he challenge me to grow closer to Christ? Or does he apologize or forgive quickly? Um, can can we together do things for the kingdom? And 
are we going to stick it out when it gets kind of ugly? Um, are we going to do that for each other in a gentle way? So I just think to fall more in love with each other over time, it's the idea of having a glimpse of what God sees in the other person and really thinking about um, what God is doing for the other person through marriage. And, and it's exciting when you think about the fact that we can be used as a tool for this other person to strengthen them and to be a part of what God is doing in their life. Thanks for being that for me. I appreciate it. Um, let, let, let's read this big idea up from the screen again. Let's put it up here as we wrap up. And let's read it out loud both here in the auditorium and in the venue. If you're watching online, we welcome you to join us as well. God's primary mission in marriage is to strengthen us so that we would strengthen others. That's what God wants to do. He wants to use the gift of friendship and ongoing sanctification. Marriage is meant to sanctify, to change us, to become more like Christ, to refine us that we would be stronger and therefore better be able to strengthen others for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I have this vision sometime that uh, maybe there will be a day that we appear before God together and God will look at us and he'll say, it was far from perfect. You guys made a lot of mistakes, but well done. Well done. You strengthened each other. You came to me for my strengthening. You were friends to each other. You sought to grow each other as opposed to just stay where you are. You sought to keep growing each other and in the process you became more and more like Jesus Christ. Well done. You see, what God intends through our marriage is that perhaps we would become examples for our kids, for our friends, for our life groups, for our neighborhoods. You know this is true. There's so many people around us every day that are slodging through the dark hell of this world looking for an example of something better. And a marriage that's on mission underneath the authority of Christ can be a portrait of the brightness of heaven for those who are slodging through the pain of this world. His desire is not just for us, it's to strengthen us that we would be instruments of his grace and strengthening for other people. That's how I pray for you. That's how I pray for the marriages in our church. Um, Suze, would you mind praying for our church today as we wrap up? Sure, I'd be thank happy you. to. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being such a good and gracious Father. Thank you for being kind and merciful. And thank you for inviting us um, to ask um, anything in your name. And Father God, I just ask now that for those of us who are married, Lord, that you would help us to be dear friends to our spouse, that we would be honest in love, and that we would strengthen the other person through friendship and through the process of sanctification and sharpening each other. And I just pray for all the brothers and sisters um, in our church community, and I just pray that we would help each other, strengthen each other, 
so that we could strengthen those around us in our community, our outer community, in helping point each other towards Christ. We thank you and we ask these things in your name.